Alright, creatures of the night, welcome to episode 115 of Talking Taker, our encyclopedic exploration and taking up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time, The Undertaker. And I want to thank you for joining us for yet another round of Dead Man Talking. My name is Alex Dorio, I am one of your co-hosts, and I am joined as always by my tag team partner, my wrestling buddy, my fellow creature of the night, the man in the mirror himself, Mr. Travis White. Travis, it is just so great to see your reflection staring back at me, man. I missed you last week. Oh, man. I missed you too, buddy. <laughs> yeah, it is great to be back. You know what? Lego Batman movie came out a few years ago, and that song was in it, Man in the Mirror. And at the time, my son was like four or five, and he knew every word of that song. It was what? great because of Lego Batman. Yeah. Oh, I, I think I knew five. it before Lego Batman. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Good you're singing along in the theater. No, <laughs> but like, it's just funny him singing it with Lego Batman. It was great. Anyway, yeah, Man in the Mirror, great. Yeah, man, it's good to be back. I had to cash in some of that PTO at work, and apparently for this episode, last week's episode too. But we appreciate. Uh, our friends in the bottom line wrestling cast coming in and joining us for all the way from uh, Massachusetts and uh, hanging out with you and catching up on a little watch along. Man, just dude, when you put that clip on the end of the, the JR call oh, yeah. of the end of yeah. that match, yeah, it gave me chills. Like, nobody <laughs> calls a match like that anymore. Not even JR calls a match like that anymore. And the crowd, you can hear it, just that amount of talent. Those four Hall of Fame guys in that match was just awesome. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was a really cool clip you put on the end there. So it I was, dug it. It was fun to revisit that. Yeah, I mean, that stuff from 98 to 99, 97, it just, it, it will never get old to us. I, no. I, I don't know if it feels like that to younger people or people who weren't, you know, diehards during that time. But, man, it, uh, it, it it's it's incredible. I think for me, yeah. I, we've said on here before, like, early 90s is, is honestly more of my, like, favorite. Like, what's, that's what I go back to more and more, like, like sometimes if I can't sleep at night, I'll put on 92 superstars, and that's just right. like that's like my comfort food for wrestling. But man, just the 98, that stuff like that, just you know, that's not even like anybody's favorite match, that fully loaded no. tag match. But God, it was great. I, you know, it was, yeah, it was awesome. It was, it was awesome. We're gonna catch up something, uh, some awesome stuff coming up here, maybe some just some stuff from time for Halloween as we're getting close to that here on the podcast and. Uh, you know, we're going to tell the story of the, you know, the Ordens versus Taker. Yeah. <laughs> Halloween Havoc 1998. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Halloween Havoc 2005. <laughs> it feels like that on here. And they actually steal a page from WCW's book, which we'll talk about here. Uh, but we're talking Armageddon. Not a book you should read. <laughs> <laughs> Not that chapter. At least. Not that chapter. Yeah. <laughs> Burn it with gasoline. <laughs> oh, wait. We're going to talk about that, too. Uh, Armageddon 2005, the final piece of the Undertaker-Randy Orton quadrilogy here as we head into a Hell in a Cell match. You know, this would be the the Men in Black 4 or or the Toy Story 4 of that uh, quadrilogy in there. (laughs) We're trying to come up with other quadrilogies the other week. We we had the Alien quadrilogy. There's there's a few other ones out there. But this one, we'll we'll see how it holds up the test of time with those cinematic uh, series in there. But um, I'm trying to think of more. There's like fives and sixes inside. I can't think of any more fours. Four is weird. Four is weird. There's not a lot of fours. Are there four Shreks? 
There Shrek are four, four? Shreks. Four. I never saw a three or four. But then you got Puss in Boots, so that's like, you know, the offshoot. I don't know if that yeah. counts in the Shrek cinematic lineage. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've Shrek's, seen in all four Shreks. Shrek CU. I can't. Shrek Cinematic Universe. Right, the Shrek Cinematic Universe, right. Yeah. You got the Puss in Boots TV series. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff. In <laughs> it's all canon. It's, it's all, all canon. Yeah. <laughs> oh, anyway. I'm a big Shrek 2 fan. Um, I'm going to put that out there. I don't know if that... Well, Counting Crows, man. Yeah, Accidentally Crows, in love. Great soundtrack. Great soundtrack. Great. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> we're going to take our time traveling hearse all the way back. Or we're going to take it forward. We went back to 98. We're going to zoom yeah. all the way into 2005. We're going to really put the miles on this hearse. Uh, <laughs> make it go haywire here as we go back into 2005. Uh, we're going to leave Mike and JV behind back in 1999 as they talk about Stone Cold over on the Bottom Line cast. And we're going to zoom on back to 2005. We're going to actually pick up right after No Mercy 2005. And we got a little bit of ground to cover before we get up to Hell in a Cell because Undertaker doesn't have a match at Survivor Series, even though he's on the poster. Yeah, uh, He will do something quite memorable at that show. But uh, Travis, why don't you pick us up where we left off with... Randy Orton claiming a major victory over The Undertaker and uh, also claiming his life, apparently. <laughs> yeah. SmackDown, October 14th, 05. Randy uh, and, and Bob actually opened the show with massive, massive heel heat. Um, as they come out, commentary is talking about the heinous acts they performed on Taker, and they act like they've never seen that before. Like, Cole and Taz like, never seen anything like this before, which they haven't watched World War 98, I guess, because the exact same thing happened as we've covered over <laughs> this podcast. I mean, literally the exact same thing. We're just a different guy. So, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's weird that Randy Orton basically committed a felony. I mean, a class murder in the first degree on live television. And, uh, he's, everybody's just cool. He's coming out. No, no big deal. We all forgot no, about it once the Mexicals drove out there. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Took our minds off of everything. <laughs> That's right. So, um, yeah, he trapped a dude in the box, lit it on fire. I'd say he, he you know, did some heinous acts. So, anyway, um, Randy says that he did the impossible. He beat the Undertaker, stuffed him in a casket, and set his butt on fire. And he ended that 15-year legacy. And the crowd, I'll tell you what, they are really giving Orton some heel heat, man. And he's, he's egging it on, man. He's asking for it. And, uh. Um, you know, he says, how does it feel to never see the Undertaker again? And he's dead and tells him to rest in peace. And he says, now it's time to move on to something bigger and better as the crowd's chanting, you suck at him. And he says he's moving on to the world heavyweight title. So he's supposed to have a number one contender match with Eddie Guerrero tonight. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's what's going on there. And I think we're going to have the debut of a wonderful Halloween time themed, uh, uh, character from the WWE history. And that's, uh, I'm the man. I'm gonna get you. <laughs> oh, can yeah! You I think this is like a backstage debut. He has yeah. his match, first match, a few weeks later. Yeah, but this is like his a backstage thing where he's coming. And if we we covered him on the podcast here a few months ago, oh, talking yeah, about yeah. on Tough Enough. He was one of the guys that lied about his age or whatever and got kicked out. But then they liked him so much they brought him back. And um, I know it would have been neat, uh, not five-star classes but it would have been neat to see the mind games that he and taker could have done <laughs> to each other you know it could have been interesting <laughs> um well and it wouldn't have been far off from what we're going to cover here t- today honestly actually. you know <laughs> yeah 
And then before we cover something, you know, some seriousness, we I want to just mention too the next couple weeks of SmackDown. There's um, some promos that play to say, you know, Undertaker. One of them the next week of SmackDown says Undertaker, 1990 to 2005, which I just poor guy was only 15 years old. Oh man, <laughs> he looked great for 15. <laughs> He's jacked. <laughs> He was jacked. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's not on the network for some reason. I couldn't find it, but I was reading some re- recaps, and I did see a screenshot of it. But, anyway, and then another one the next week was a promo for Taker that ends with the word she says, dead? It has a question mark. So, I don't know. They're kind of building up, is he dead or not? So hmm. I wonder if there's, like, music rights or something. Like, Yeah, it must be. I don't know. That's weird. They usually don't edit stuff like that out. Yeah, they usually edit, like... Uh, canyon singing do you really want to hurt me or something right like that. for music reasons yeah so i don't know why they edited these off because they're not on there yeah there's uh, it's going through uh up until survivor series and there's one on the november 11th 2005 where it says november 27th the beginning of the end so uh, a little bit of a tease that we could see Undertaker at Survivor Series, um, maybe, yeah. Uh, possibly teasing that. I'm sure there were rumors about that online. And like we said, obviously he's on the poster for the pay per view, which doesn't always mean anything because those posters right. come out, you know, months beforehand. But uh, possibly hinting at something there. But before we do, I'm jump- hypothesize that they had the end is the beginning is the end by the Smashing Pumpkins as the song playing. Ooh. that's maybe why they cut it off. So. Well, he's a big Who wrestling knows? fan, Mr. Corbin. Who knows? You know? Yeah. Running the NWA. Currently. That's right. So, anyway. Hottest we'll ticket see. in wrestling, man. It's it's right down the street from me, and it's like sells it out go. so quick. I want to, <laughs> but it keeps selling out, man. A little tiny studio. Have you watched yeah. any of it? The NWA? Uh, I watched the first episode, most of it. It was it reminded me of uh, Southpaw Wrestling. It was awesome. <laughs> I loved it. It's fun. It's it fun. great. Yeah. It was great. Mr. Kennedy on there, man. He's, uh, oh, is he's he? He's on the second one. Yeah, oh, okay. the second one. <laughs> I saw um, Mrs. Mickey, Mr. Mickey James give a great promo in the first episode. So. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. NWA Power. <laughs> I, I hate the name of yeah. it, man. I can't. Yeah. I can't take it seriously. Uh, no, but, not at all. But it's fun, yeah. Uh, and, you know, we do have to touch on something not fun here. We'd be remiss if we didn't mention yeah. this during the timeline. Before we got to Survivor Series on November 13th, 2005, uh, just a very, very sad, tragic moment in the history of wrestling and in the WWE. This was the day that young Eddie Guerrero, you know, only 37 years old at the time, uh, way, way, way too young, uh, uh, passed away, uh, was found dead in his hotel room uh, just hours before there was supposed to be a taping. I think there was supposed to be like a dual Raw and SmackDown taping that night where uh, rumor has it, you know, I don't, I mean, I think some people have said it, but I don't know if it's confirmed or not, but he was allegedly supposed to win the WWE World Championship that night or, or shortly thereafter at some Batista. point. Yeah, from Batista, because uh, he was hurt during this time or wrestling hurt, so, you know, couldn't come to a worse time in his career and just, I remember just being just gobsmacked at the news uh you know you know, we we've talked about other wrestling deaths and ryan pillman's death and owen hart's death and all that but eddie's was just so out of the blue um because it seemed like he had really kind of you know we all knew his history it was part of you know his character he talked about his past mm-hmm. and struggles with addiction and had so many storylines with it and 
you know, he had been so clean, it seemed like, for so long, and uh, just to have him, you know, just pass away just out of nowhere like that, uh, I mean, just devastating. Yeah, it was, and this is the first <clears throat> wrestling death that hit me really, really hard. I mean, I was sad when, you know, British Bulldog had died and Ray Trailer and stuff like that, but this was the first one, Hennig, you know, but this was the first one because, I mean, I was... You know, I talked on here. I was a kind of a fan as a little small child, but then I kind of wasn't. And then, but when I came back into it, is when Eddie was in ECW and WCW, and him and Benoit and Jericho and Malenko and Saturn, and just all the cruiserweights in WCW. And just those are the guys that, and they really inspired me to start buying tapes on eBay. You know, back when that was a thing. You know, um, I had tapes of the Super Jacob that he was in. I had matches of his as Black Tiger. Um, the best of Super Juniors that he won. I had that tape, you know. Um, really loved his ECW stuff. Remember his, what was that, When Worlds Collide? Him and Art Bar. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Golly, that man. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And just, this one hit me the hardest. And those, we'll talk about one in a couple, two years from now that'll hit me even harder. But um, this one really hit me hard, man. It was just really sad to see him go. Like you said, we kind of felt like we'd grown up watching him and, and said, seeing his real life, you know. Uh, uh, play out before our eyes as well, you know, on screen. So, really sucked, you know. And it's a shame that we never got him and Taker in like a proper feud. We talked about them interacting a little bit, but never got that proper feud either, man. Which would have been great to have seen him bump around for Undertaker in there. Oh so. yeah, just the limited interaction that we did see. Of course, we covered Eddie on the Armageddon 2004 yeah. episode, Fatal Four Way match, along with JBL and Booker T. And there's a, just a couple minutes in there where Taker and Eddie are one-on-one, -on -one and it's it's really cool. Uh, and the crowd about split. What might have been? Yeah, they were. They were. Um, and you know, there's really just aside from a few TV interactions, that's that's pretty much it for those two guys. So it's a shame we didn't cover him more on there. But uh, you know, he's Undertaker's not on these tribute shows that come afterward, which he 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 never was on <clears throat> these tribute shows, which right. You know, I get it. It'd kind of be in weird taste to have The Undertaker on yeah. someone's memorial tribute show. Although they're going to certainly do some things that are in bad taste here in the weeks to come, <laughs> which we will talk yeah. about. Uh, but yeah, I, there is a clip. I think I posted it on our social media back when we were doing the Armageddon match of a birthday celebration they do for Eddie at a house show or something where Undertaker like salutes him. And you, know, yeah. you can just tell that those guys, I'm sure... You know, everybody loved Eddie back then. The fans oh, yeah. loved him. The wrestlers loved him. And uh, Undertaker, I'm sure, had a ton of respect and appreciation for him as well. Uh, you know, I, you know, cried very openly during the tribute yep. shows for Raw and SmackDown. It, it was devastating, and uh, it's still it's been 14 years now, and you mm -hmm. know, it still sucks, man. Just you, just yeah. I'm sure he <laughs> wouldn't be active right now, but you just think what he could be doing and. Legends appearances he could be making. No, oh, you know maybe GM. Yeah, oh, he'd be Raw, making incredible dude. GM man. <laughs> yeah, or yeah. working at NXT or something. Yeah. Just, it, he'd be he'd be contributing some some way somehow. So yeah, yeah. it's a shame, man, and uh, you know can't really move on well after that. But we're gonna do our best here, um, and we'd love for you guys to share your Eddie Guerrero memories with us as well. You know, share those on social media. Uh, your favorite memories of him working anybody, not just Undertaker, but favorite yeah. stuff you saw him doing. But back to our man, back to the Undertaker here as we move on from that. He, like we mentioned, he's been cashing in that, uh, <laughs> I guess, burn victim PTO, medical leave. <laughs> yeah. 
since No Mercy. And uh, we're going to see him return at the Survivor Series 2005 in a surprise appearance here, November 27th, 2005. And this is uh, all about Raw versus SmackDown on this night at Survivor Series. Uh, the main event is a Raw versus SmackDown elimination match. I should mention the opening video package. Kind of, I guess it gives away the surprise a little bit on there. Yeah, Undertaker's in it. It's got little clips of everybody that's in the matches and stuff. Then it kind of ends with Taker, and it says, "You know, tonight is the beginning of the end." And it just has a picture of him on there. It's like, all right, let's uh, go ahead and <laughs> not so subtle there. But you know, at this point, they were still trying to sell tickets for. You know, pay per views and get pay per view buys and stuff. So nowadays, it's just nine. But you've already bought the pay per view. It's the opening video package. Well, that's true. Touche, <laughs> my friend. They may have shown. You're not going to change the I channel. Don't know. Yeah, maybe. They may have shown on heat. That's true. Well, the main event is a big uh, Raw vs SmackDown match. Like I just said, Big Show, Carlito, Chris Masters. Man, what a crew right there <laughs> so far for Monday Night Raw. Uh, Kane and HBK. <laughs> <one> lost. <laughs> yeah. Up against Orton, Batista, Mysterio, Lashley, and JBL. Uh, yeah. All right, so at this point, take out Bobby Lashley because he's, he's new. Every other guy in there is a Hall of Famer I mean, on the SmackDown side. Yeah, without question. <laughs> you know? And then uh, Carlino, Chris Masters, and everyone's here Hall of Fame. Uh, not, not anytime soon, brother. Well, no. The uh, it's a pretty fun match, uh, you know. Yeah. It's it's cool. Uh, I love the little thing they did with Randy, where he, I believe it was three years in a row, he mm-hmm. was the sole yeah. survivor for his team. Uh, I love little things like that, just little yeah. character quirks, little random stuff. So, yeah, um, and towards the end of the match, the crowd is chanting, "We want Taker, we want Taker." They're in on things, and Orton ends up getting the victory on HBK to finish things, and. They're really building up the brand loyalty stuff here. We talked a little bit about it on last week's show, but the entire SmackDown job squad runs out to celebrate <laughs> with Randy. Man, they get him up on their shoulders. They're, you know, Michael Cole and Taz are going crazy. You know, Michael Cole's SmackDown loyalist till the day he dies, man. You know, he's back happy to be SmackDown back on SmackDown. Now. Yeah. yeah, nowadays. It reminded me of when Sting beat Hogan. Like, all the mm. WCW guys came out. I mean, yeah. it wasn't as epic you know but i'm just saying that's the image i got in my mind like yeah. no matter what your affiliations were you were for that side you yeah know, so and everybody's cheering and celebrating until the gong hits and, <laughs> uh, i don't think he's here to celebrate with randy orton travis i don't think i was no. there to lift randy up on his shoulders so uh randy the announcers say he looks like he's seen a ghost uh which makes sense because their digger's dead right <laughs> now he's arising uh, so Randy, like, the guys on his shoulders won't let him down, but he's, like, panicking, trying to get off their shoulders as we uh, hear the Latin chanting beginning. These druids <laughs> bring out a casket. You know what happened last time is those my shoulders, right? You got the thumbs down. That's true. Oh, <laughs> he remembered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That makes he's, God's he's, great. He's a little bit scared. A little skittish of that. That's a great <laughs> <Yeah>. touch. <laughs> Well, these druids actually lift up the casket and stand it upright instead of on its side. And Randy is just selling this huge. He's just absolutely terrified in disbelief as we hear the gong hit again. And lightning comes out of the ceiling, strikes the casket, sets it on fire. And who else but the Undertaker 
pushes the door open, pops out of the casket. It's a pretty sweet looking visual Dude. here. Dude, if this is not a gif or jiff or whatever it's called, it's gotta be one. He just oh, like, kicks like the, the door just explodes off of it and he's just standing there and the camera just pans in on him. It was man, I like was I was hyped, dude, seeing it. I was like, yes, there he is. Like, he's back, you know, like, because I don't think I've ever seen this particular uh, encounter in, in in real life. So seeing that, and I was like, man, that's got instant, like, gif written all over it, man. It was great. We've seen a lot of great Undertaker entrances, and this is right up there oh, near yeah. the top, man. And he looks phenomenal. He looks like he's hit the tandem bed. He's hit, <laughs> he's hit the gym. <laughs> He's let his beard grow in, which is yeah, something we haven't really good. seen much. Yeah, not just the goatee. He's got full beard. And important note, this is really, I believe this is the first time we see him in like the full spandex tights outfit, just tights for pants, because he's been just with the leather pants and the, and, mm-hmm. the, and the tank top up until this point. And that's pretty much going to be his look. You know, pretty much from then on, from this point yeah. on, he's ditched the pants, uh, leather pants, and gone for the spandex pants, all one kind of singlet outfit here. So, interesting though, I guess, uh, for us yeah. to watch every Undertaker match. But, you know, we always talk about wanting to get over a man, you want to reestablish yourself. Here's how you do it come out and hit your <laughs> finisher on everybody in the ring, dude. We're getting <laughs> Chokeslam for Sylvan, for uh, Simon Dean. Undertaker choke slams a dick in the ring. He uh, chokes. Brian <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you know, He chokes him, him next. Uh, oh. <laughs> he thumbs Paul Burchill in the eyes and sends him away. He's not even worthy of a choke slam. They don't choke slam pirates. <laughs> and that's probably the only time we'll ever talk about any of these guys on this show. But. Well, we already talked about Brian Kendrick extensively. We did talk about him in the past, but the yeah. highlight is William Regal, man. Dude, this might be the greatest tombstone <laughs> in the history of our great sport. It's out of control. Regal goes up for the tombstone, and his legs go to the to a Y shape, just completely spread eagle. <laughs> As he takes the tombstone, I was dying, man, watching him back. Cracked me up. It's so funny. I can't tell. Do you think that, I mean, does Taker cool with that, you think? Or is he just like, it doesn't matter? I think he loved it. Man, you know what? I want to add this on about Regal. I, re- I listened to an interview with him one time on a podcast, and somebody asked him, you know, why did he say – um Umanga, like Umaga, you know. He said, <laughs> yeah. "Why do you say Umanga?" He said, "Well, because you remember it nowadays." Like I, I do right. stuff like that, little things, to set my to to stand out. And That's honestly, right. when I watched this, that comment from him stood out to me. I was like, "Because I'll never forget this dude stuff. <laughs> Nobody took it like this, but him. And it's stupid. It's silly. But you know what? I, I'll never forget it. You know, That's just right. like Umanga. You know, That's uh, why he's Regal, one of the man. best, man. It's great. Yeah." <laughs> Well, the only people that escape from Undertaker's wrath are, of course, the Ortons, which is nice that yeah. they're teasing that. He doesn't quite get his hands on them yet. Uh, Randy and Cowboy Bob escape to the top of the entrance as Undertaker rolls his eyes back and slashes his throat as Cole notes that this is the beginning of the end for Randy Orton. So now we know where we're headed. The end is about to be here for Randy. Yep, the end is the beginning, or the beginning is the end, whatever it is. <laughs> it's all, I'm a confused now. I got smashing pumpkins in my head. So, anyway, 
Well, that's going to lead us to the SmackDown special on November 29th, 05, which... Yeah, this was interesting. I... Why is it special? <laughs> Do you remember? What was this all about? I have no idea, but they did a SmackDown Live on a Tuesday night, which is a precursor to 2016. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? But yeah, seriously, because they have an episode on Friday as right. well. So it's kind of weird. I don't know if it's just one of those promo things like uh they might have been trying to like build up another upn show or something yeah like as a lead-in or something yeah yeah but uh, it's only an hour long and it's only it's got booker t versus benoit and ray versus big show in an interpromotional match on it so um that's it but the story of the night is ray ray has dedicated his big match against big show to, to eddie guerrero and um he rides out in eddie's low rider and comes out to his music and gives it the whole works, does a little shimmy shake and has a little EG um, like armband on his arm. And he's uh, lying and cheating and stealing the victory here as from the big show as Kane comes out, which is actually, since we don't cover Raw too much here, this is actually the big show's tag team champion partner. So, yep. When you're ta- <laughs> <laughs> you know your tag teams on Raw suck when your champions are just a makeshift t- team of Kane and Big Show. Oh, you know? You're talking about 2019 so, or 20, 2005? That, that was, <laughs> what, 20, was that 2014 when they were on in the like – that was when oh, the yeah, whole CM Punk stuff, remember? Oh, my God. Yeah. Citizen Kane and Big Show was like the number the, one uh, heel. And, the corp- What were they? Not the corporation. Corp- they were the, the authority. The authority, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good Lord, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But um, Show and Kane wind up giving Ray a double choke slam. But then there's going to be a, a white savior here, a dark savior, <laughs> savior of the light. I don't know what you call it. But anyway, uh, I was off last week. So anyway, it's going to be Taker. Lights go out. When they come up, Taker is actually behind the big show and Kane in the ring, which is kind of funny here because Kane uh, turns around and, and sees him and shakes his head and just leaves. And big show uh, doesn't quite get the memo, right? And he and Taker starts going after him, and Taker's wailing away, and then Kane comes back in and gets a choke slam, and Randy Orton winds up sliding in, hitting the RKO on Undertaker. So I love that because the heel still needs to get the one up. It's not time for Taker to get the big win over him yet, you know? So I love that attention to detail, and uh, it's good stuff. But then Michael Cole, never letting us down. And, and just at the supreme peak of his idiocracy, Idiocy, wherever that word is. He says, tried to kill him he poured gasoline on his skin and threw a match on it like uh, and then taker came back and beat the crap out of it. like i just dude you have not been following the plot lines if you don't know why he did that so Cole cannot man there's it's smackdown above everything man <laughs> all smackdown, smackdown bros smackdown above all. before raw hoes man <laughs> <I guess. laughs> exactly exactly but um yeah, man, he just he makes me cringe with some of this stuff, dude. And I've I come to appreciate him nowadays, but back then he would drive me bananas. And listening back to him drives me nuts. So yeah, but um, <clears throat> things are gonna get nuts here in just a second, oh, actually, boy. because the Ortons are gonna walk away past the low rider that Ray drove out, and um, uh, or uh, I think Randy's gonna open the trunk, and 
sit, Taker winds up sitting up in the ring as Randy Orton opens up the trunk and he grabs a crowbar out of there. And then Taker winds up coming after Orton, but Bob distracts him and Orton's beating him up with the crowbar, beating him up <laughs> with a crowbar. So far, he has lit him on fire, and now he is hitting him in the head with one of the hardest pieces of iron you could hit someone with, and uh, beating him up. And Taker is just kind of laying lifeless on the back of the car. So Randy gets in, starts the car, puts it in reverse, and just gasses it all the way back through the SmackDown bubble set. And he runs away pretty quickly, he being Randy, because apparently, stored behind the SmackDown bubble. <laughs> Is Joe Dirt's fireworks stand, you know, because it looks like the 4th of July, dude. It is just like. Kicking wing is back there, man. Kicking wing is back there. Just lighting them up, dude. Where's all the pyro gone for the last three years of Raw and SmackDown? It's right here behind the bubble on Super Duper SmackDown one hour night. So it's just absurd, man. Yeah. It looks like Wally Cody Dynamite, like Acme. Might as well say Acme on it. Just blowing up, man. And so. It's just basically Taker's been rammed through a wall and now lit on fire again. So, I mean, what even was this? Like, who? I, I mean, I and, and I remember. I mean, it's it's weird watching it back now, but I remember the big deal on the internet back then was this was Eddie Guerrero's lowrider. Right. This was. Right. I mean, the dirt is not even cold on top of the grave yet, man. Right. Like he is less than a, a month. Uh, oh, he died 16 days ago. Yeah, yeah, and they're using... I mean, it's one thing for Ray to dedicate a match to him, but now, like, Randy's driving his car through the arena, like, trying to kill another person with it, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, woo-wee, man. Uh, it's, oh. uh, maybe people will think you're being too sensitive by saying this, but, man, that was... Uh, I wouldn't have done that myself. I wouldn't have written something like that. Uh, no, it's rough, but there's no... <clears throat> There's no fruit too low hanging that the, yeah, the wrestling man. writers won't stoop to get. So, and uh, it's either yeah. it's either the next week or uh, or may, maybe it's going into the feud with WrestleMania. I don't remember when it was, but uh, you know where Orton talks about. Oh, know, that's Eddie, going into Mania. Yeah, Eddie's dead and he's in hell and he's not looking up at you down down on yeah. you from heaven. Like, come on, man! Like, I know that it's wrestling, and we're gonna talk about using Paul Bearer in a storyline right after he died and all that sort of stuff. But man, I didn't, I didn't like that. Yeah. I didn't like either. this didn't, either. No, that made me hate Randy Orton more when he used Eddie's well, dad. It wasn't his fault, but yeah, it's what it is. But I yeah, that's, that's, I think that's it's, it's built to do, mania. Yeah. So. Well, I'm getting all my stuff confused because I've been watching too much Undertaker stuff, but uh, we'll get back to this SmackDown 12 205. So this is, they recorded this right after the SmackDown special, yeah. and it aired you know later that week on Friday, and uh, it's kind of works out for him because the yeah. SmackDown set is uh, still missing the piece that Orton drove <laughs> through on Tuesday, and there's like crime scene tape around it, as Cole and Taz describe it as a crime scene, uh, and yet. The man who committed the crime, Mr. Randy Orton, is just going to come out to open the show. Not in handcuffs, <laughs> yeah. not to be questioned by the police, but just to, you know, cut a promo and wrestle. Yep. <laughs> That'd been awesome if he'd been in cuffs. Right. Or if it's been real life. He'd been in jail. <laughs> and, uh, but I swear to you, Travis, Michael Cole, after witnessing Randy Orton yet again commit attempted murder on The Undertaker, 
is still more concerned over the fact that Randy Orton betrayed his loyalty to SmackDown than his crimes. Well, how about the fact that on Tuesday night during a SmackDown versus Raw encounter, an interpromotional battle, Randy Orton comes here and has the audacity to attack one of his own. <laughs> He's a hurdle he cannot get over. It's a mental hurdle. He cannot jump over that. No. <laughs> it just, how dare you? How dare you sully the good name of SmackDown? <laughs> I can't. I'm trying to come up with like another comparison in real I life can't. to it, but there's nothing. I can't no. compare this thing. No. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. SmackDown for life. Well, Randy, he cuts, you know, cuts his big heel promo on this, points to the stage, said, what I did to Undertaker speaks for itself. And once again, it's just reinforcing that the Undertaker is dead. You're never going to see him again. All you people in the crowd who thought you are going to get to see the Undertaker tonight, thought he's going to rise from the dead this time, it's not going to happen. His legacy is dead. And once again, Randy says he's focusing on the World Heavyweight Championship now that he's rid his life of the Undertaker. And... You know, I will say, like you kind of mentioned earlier, he's doing a good job of riling up mm-hmm. the crowd here. They're really booing him and getting on to them. And Randy really does carry this feud for the next few weeks on his own. Like, this, mm-hmm. uh, he's doing working with a lot of special effects and, and not yeah. really working with The Undertaker so much. And I think he, I mean, he really impressed me watching it back mm-hmm. how much, how good his performance is uh, without really anything to work off of. Uh, it's pretty neat. I agree wholeheartedly, man. I was thinking the same thing. Well, we see the Undertaker's mind games begin here, and they're going to get really wild uh, next week. But they kind of start a little bit here as Randy and Bob are talking backstage before Randy wrestles Matt Hardy later tonight. And we see just in the background a clock on the walls. The arms on the clock just start kind of spinning out of control in the background, uh, just kind of subtly there. Uh, And no one really talks about it. They don't notice it, but it's there in the background. And I couldn't tell, honestly, if that was supposed to be Taker or Boogeyman, because he comes out with the clock, oh. you know? And he was kind of debuting, too, so I didn't know Maybe if that was so. supposed to be him or Boogeyman, because they both, they both made sense. Interesting. Yeah, I guess maybe that wasn't necessarily Undertaker. I don't know. Yeah. I really don't. I think it was Taker, because of what's going to keep happening, but I don't know. Uh-huh. Something it's just left to the imagination. Well, that's Bruce Pritchard. He'll make up something about it. <laughs> Well, uh, Randy, once again, uh, like I said, he, he faces Matt Hardy tonight, and uh, Taz and Cole are just continuing to drive me crazy on commentary. <laughs> yes. Taz is trying to be like, well, what Randy did last week, it wasn't so bad because it, premedi- it was not premeditated. He, he just did it spontaneously, <laughs> as if that's okay for murder. Like, as long as it's not premeditated, the heat of the moment there. <laughs> Spontaneous attempted murder is always better than premeditated <laughs> attempted murder. <laughs> and Cole Says still Judge Mills Lane. <laughs> <laughs> well, Cole still can't get over the fact they did it to one of our own on SmackDown. It just will not let this go. It's okay if he does it to somebody on Raw, but yeah, yeah, that's our big, <laughs> he's a big SmackDown big booster, no-no. man. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, Orton wins, yeah. but. As the WWE Network puts it on their chapter listings, The Undertaker is about to spook Randy Orton. Who says that? Undertaker spooks Randy Orton. Isn't that what Hulk Hogan said he was going to go do? Chase all the spooks out of the neighborhood. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Can't say that. (laughs) 
Hogan. Whoa. Uh, insert open mouth insert foot. <laughs> <laughs> well, as Randy is celebrating, we hear uh, the, the gong and the voiceover. Uh, as Undertaker does his best Val Venus impression and says, Hello, Randy. <laughs> How are you feeling, Randy? <laughs> uh, he, oh. and he, he's, uh, well, Orton is freaked out and Undertaker's saying, Oh, you don't know who this is? This is the man you tried to kill. This is the Undertaker. And Randy and Bob try to run away from the ring, but lightning strikes him at the top of the top of the aisle and so they run back into the ring and cowboy bob makes a great decision here he just runs under the ring and gets away from all this <laughs> yes. and then i'm just gonna try to condense this because this segment goes on for a long long yeah. long time uh, we'll have a three-hour episode if we do it like play by play i know <laughs> i won't go through the whole thing but it's more of the same Undertaker doing voiceover, Randy trying to leave, lightning strike in different places of the arena. He tries to go through a side entrance, and he pulls down a curtain, and there's a casket standing upright in there. Mm-hmm. And Undertaker's like, What's the matter, Randy? You're not afraid of caskets, are you? You didn't seem to mind caskets when it was me inside. Randy, are you scared? Remember, remember your destiny. Your destiny is right before your eyes. Randy, you tried to kill me. But I'm the one who does the killing. It all ends, the big scene ends with... Uh, lightning striking again and Undertaker saying you don't know where you're going do you Randy well I'll tell you Randy you're going with me straight to hell hell in the cell and it's just very very long but I tell you what once again I gotta give kudos to Randy because he Mm -hmm. sold it very well man it felt like you were in the middle of a horror movie almost yeah it was uh, I keep putting over. It was very, very long, but it was very cinematic, and it got the story over. Man, Randy sold his fear. It got you to where you were going, which is Hell in a Cell, and it built it up uh, pretty nicely. And which is this feud's been going on for months now. This is the third month, third pay per view in a row that we're seeing these guys fight. So it's hard to keep it fresh, but somehow they managed to do it here. Yeah, it's crazy, man, how they do that, and um. It's weird, too. Like I, was, I, I just took, took a gander at my notes here, and this is the night that Boogeyman debuts in the ring. So, yeah, as if all that wasn't spooky enough. Um, you know, like, how you going to have two characters, like the same guy on the same show? Like, yeah. Why would they not put Boogeyman on Raw, you know? Because this stuff mm. could all be in his wheelhouse as well. You know? That's a great That's point. Funny. That probably would have fit a funny. little bit better. <laughs> well, oh, uh, Randy tries to get out of this backstage later on with Teddy Long and... He's complaining about this, and Teddy's having no part of it, man. He's like, why are you looking at me, man? You're going to hell. I ain't going with you. (laughs) He says, I ain't messing with Undertaker. That match is official as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) Why did his hands clean of his GM? He's like, forget it. I'm out. (laughs) He cannot control the Undertaker. No. He 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 knows that better than anybody, yeah. (laughs) Oh, man, that's so great. Yeah, I love Teddy's interaction there. It was so funny, man. 
Well, the next week. <clears throat> oh man, oh, I'm sorry. It's, it's taken back to 1998. <laughs> as we can here, it's because this is crazy. People, if you guys haven't seen this, it's gonna get nuts. Um, Let, let's okay. just let's just reiterate. This is December 9th, two thousand five. Five. Yeah. This is not nineteen eighty five. No. This not nineteen ninety eight. Four years after WCW went out of business. This is mm-hmm. years past Vince Russo ever being part mm-hmm. of the company, being attributed to anything ridiculous. This is not Eric Bischoff on the creative nope. staff or anything like that. No Kevin Sullivan? Nope. 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 Let's this just is set the WWE. Oh, yeah. Yep. Let's set the table there and then uh, see what have this meal here. So the Orton's come out with with a purpose, and Randy says he's calling out Taker. And he's very intense, you know. He, he, um, he's calling out Taker, and I like that he doesn't even let his music like really go before he's yelling at Taker on the mic. And I just, I mean, I love little touches like that. Like, I, I just, we talked about it. I hate when you have this blood feud on Raw or SmackDown or NXT, but then the guy gets his full entrance and stuff. Like one thing y'all talked about last week on our episode was how Austin and Taker fight in the aisle way like all the time, you know, back in those days. So I love that. It's re- sense of realism here. So he's sick of the mind games. It's not fair. He's... He's about to snap. He's tired of it. And then his music actually does hit, but it's kind of all goes all wonky. DJ Taker's back there scratching it and messing <laughs> it up. And the lights are blinking. And um, Randy demands to know where Taker is. He's wondering what's going on. And the lights are flickering again. And he says that he wants uh, Taker in the ring tonight, not at a hell in a cell at Armageddon. And he begs Taker to come out to resolve this right now and gets no answer. He says, I know you're there, so I want to finish this tonight. And, um, I tell you what, he says a lot, though, is the word man. He's like, you got to come out here, man. Come on, Taker. We got to finish it tonight, man. Don't do this to me, Taker. Come on, man. Come to this ring. I don't want it to be like this, man. Maybe I made a mistake, all right? I'm done playing games. You're done playing games. Come to this ring. I'm sick of the smoke and mirrors, man. He says it so much, I was blown away. Like, it felt like it was 1998, maybe, <laughs> so much as I said, man. So, Well, then the lights go out, and the gong hits. I don't think the lightning crashes, but we get the gong, and we get a, uh, some some sayings here, but Undertaker's doing his... I guess he got inspired by his time with Heidenreich, and he's going to begin to read some quotes, um, and we're going to see some, some scenes on the, the Titan Tron, or the SmackDown Tron, uh, interspersed with clips of Taker's various Hell in a Cell matches throughout the years, even the one where he hung the big boss man. And yeah. A couple quotes here, like from Virgil, says, the gates of hell are open, night and day. That's from Virgil. Virgil? <laughs> I didn't Not know Virgil Runnels. A... <laughs> no, I meant Virgil. The gates of hell are open, night and day. <laughs> I mean, WWF <laughs> superstar Virgil. <laughs> yeah. uh, I didn't know he was such a hell. poet, man. <laughs> the gates of hell are open, but the doors of the Olive Garden are closed. <laughs> Get that breadstick oh, money. <laughs> Done. No, you can't top that. Wrap it up. Uh, uh, the torture of a bad conscience <laughs> is the hell of a living soul. That's by John Calvin. Uh, through different minds, the same world is a hell and a heaven. Ralph Waldo Emerson. Abandon all hope, you who enter here. Dante. So a lot of stuff we read in the 11th grade English class. Yeah, basically. Absolutely. <laughs> so... Uh, Coach Taker went back me. to school, man. <laughs> he did. Taking us back to school, old school, if you will. Oh. And 
<laughs> yeah. So after all that, we're going to cut to um, basically uh, he's, or he has another voice where he says, Randy Orton, you're in the fast lane now, boy. The fast lane on the highway to hell. Enjoy the ride. And Randy's basically <laughs> pulling his hair out and he's looking befuddled and he's on his knees basically in the ring as you, you can just see the wheel spinning in his head. He's like contemplating the fact that he's got this Hell in the Cell match. So, so Taker's did, final quote is from the Eagles, laughing in the fast lane. Yes. <laughs> it's going yes, with Joe exactly. Walsh. <laughs> Big Don Joe Hanley. Walsh. Yeah, right up yes. there with Dante and Virgil. Well, you know, take her easy. You That's know? right. So. That's right. <laughs> well, later on we're going to cut backstage and see Randy Orton look at himself in the mirror. Uh, he's looking at the man in the mirror, and he's asking him to change his ways. So he's washing his face. He's looking. But then, oh, man, he looks up to see The Undertaker behind him. He turns around. The Undertaker is gone. And Orton backs up in very dramatic fashion and cannot believe what he has seen. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is, as you said, four and a half years post-WCW, but they took a page out of the Ultimate Warrior Hulk Hogan build-up to Halloween Havoc 1998, which is one of the worst worst matches of all time. But I tell you what, in 98, I loved Ultimate Warrior and WCW. I was digging the One Warrior Nation, but even I, as a 12-year-old, thought that this was stupid, where Hogan (laughs) can see him in the mirror, but no one else can. Bischoff can. So It was just so dumb back then, and guess what? Seven more years uh, incubating, it's still not good. (laughs) Exactly, man. (laughs) Seven years after... (laughs) One of the worst storyline, one of the most ridiculed moments yeah. in WCW history, I would say, is that Hogan Warrior mirror scene where mm-hmm. Bischoff is standing there with him like, what are you talking about? There's nothing there. Like, yeah. it's just, you know, obviously we do, we talk about The Undertaker. So, you Ted, you, we take a lot of this stuff with a grain of salt. Like, Undertaker yeah, does you... supernatural stuff and, yeah. you know, you just kind of go with it. But it's like another leap from, in my opinion, maybe yes. people think we're stupid, but from shooting lightning or popping up out of a casket to us seeing inside Randy Orton's visions in his head, right. and see, which we're going to continue. We're going to see things that only Randy Orton is seeing. Like, Oh, that's just the appetizer, yeah. Yeah, like <laughs> that is a bridge too far for me, man, as a fan. Like that is mm-hmm. – a lot of this stuff is ridiculous, and it's hard for me to say it's based, grounded in some sort of reality, but this, it's too much, man. It's too much, and it's not Vince Russo's fault. It's not, nope. it's not <clears throat> WCW. I mean, this is exactly what WWE would ridicule WCW for, and yet they do literally the same thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. The only thing they could have done to make it verbatim was just bring Bischoff over from Raw, you know? <laughs> <laughs> And it's going to get worse. The show's not over yet. Oh, that's just appetizer, like I said. So buckle up for the main course and dessert. So Randy is frantically packing his gear in the locker room, and his dad, Cowboy Bob, comes up and startles him, freaks him out, you know. And he says, you know, Randy's like, Taker's in my head. He's in my head, Dad. And then the camera cuts away to show us Bob Orton standing there, and he is covered in blood like he's Carrie. Or in The Shining or something. And he's like twitching. And I don't even know 
what to say because Randy then the camera cuts to Randy he blinks then we cut back to Bob and we see him then he's normal and he's just back to normal so the idea is that you're seeing a glimpse of what's in Randy's head however this is supposed to be real it's a TV show but it's supposed to be presented as a real thing and it's just so stupid like I don't <laughs> it was it's just stupid like, and I couldn't I couldn't buy it as a 12-year-old, and I can't buy it as a 19-year-old. I can't buy it as a 33-year-old here watching it. So I don't know, man. It's bad. It's uh, it's really gross looking, too. It's yeah, it so looks really gross. <laughs> Which, yeah. uh, you know, I think we should queue up the blood tracker here, Travis, because it's about to – we're going to get quite a lot of blood here on this buildup and this feud with Randy Orton. So cue that. I guess that counts as blood. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe that it's imaginary blood, but it, I think it counts on there for our first – blood tracker for this week but yeah man you just said it it's it's one giant leap to go from undertaker has superpowers to now we're seeing inside randy orton's mind yeah like exactly different type of fiction and for however silly wrestling is the whole the only way wrestling works is if you can buy into the reality of it to some if you can suspend your disbelief and that's too much i can't suspend my disbelief that much no especially too because bob's like yeah, it's you. Oh, it's you. Randy, of course it's me. Man, you look like you've seen a ghost. And it's like, yeah, he has. <laughs> you've been with him for the last eight months, and he's seen a ghost every time he turns around. It's the Undertaker that you keep murdering. Like, I don't know, man. But it's just, yeah, dude, there's so much blood in here, and it's crazy. But um, later on, it's still not. We still haven't hit the worst of the worst yet. Later on, the Ortons are leaving the arena, and as they walk by a little like screen on the outside, Taker's face appears, and uh, as they walk by, his eyes like turn and, and watch him <laughs> as they walk by. So again, I don't know if that's him or the boogeyman. I don't know, but I actually did like that one. That yeah. was, but little, it was like uh, Ghostbusters two, Ghostbusters yeah, Ghostbusters or like Haunted Mansion or yeah. something like that. So yeah, well then they're gonna go pull their luggage to the car and open the door, and the door is locked of the car. And Bob and Randy are like, like what? did you unlock it? Didn't you lock it? You got the keys? And apparently, uh, the Undertaker's, I don't know if his soul has possessed his car or what, but this car just takes off by itself. And it seems to me the Undertaker may have invented something here. Yeah, I guess this was a Tesla, man, because it just drives <laughs> off. Driverless car, dude. So I think Undertaker inspired Elon Musk. So Absolutely, he did. <laughs> I think chart that up to all the things Undertaker's responsible for. That might be the biggest one. It's, it could be. He inspired the Tesla. Huge discovery here, dude. Oh, man, yeah. The electric car came from Taker. Who knows? But then, ladies and gentlemen, a driverless car in 2005 isn't even the most insane thing we see because then the massive tool josh matthews walks up to randy orton and is asking him about all the goings on for tonight saying you know uh wh- you know wh- like what's like what are your thoughts about this what- what's going on and then he seems to be possessed by the undertaker as he's holding his um his microphone there his eyes kind of rolling in the back of his head and he says randy randy Tonight on SmackDown, you've been through a ton of crazy events. And in a week from Sunday, you and The Undertaker step inside Hell in a Cell. And... Enjoying the ride, Randy. 
dead end. Armageddon. Hell in a cell. What are your thoughts? And then Josh kind of shudders and blinks his eyes and kind of shakes it off. It comes to. And he's like, so what are your thoughts? <laughs> and dude, I can't even. It's I, outrageous. I can't, dude. That, like, of all the Undertaker things we've seen, that is the most unbelievable that I've seen. Seriously. I can believe him ascending into heaven from 1994 <laughs> more than I can believe he possessed this tool. Uh, he becomes a massive tool for the Undertaker here at this moment. He is. A, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I just this is literally on our TV, like as you're watching this, and uh, I, I just Randy backs away as uh, like he can't believe what's happened. So I don't know if the writers were on quaaludes or lots of pot back then when they wrote this episode or what, because it's not even Halloween; it's December. Right? So <laughs> I don't know. Like you said, Russo's not there. Ed Ferrara's not there. I don't know who was. I don't know. Something happened though. Something's in the water. Dude, so. the shark in the water, man. Because this like this <laughs> yeah. jumped the shark for me. Exactly. This was just on another <laughs> level uh, that I don't want to be on when covering nope. the Undertaker. I mean, it's it's funny to go back, but it's it is wrestle crap to a T, man. And oh, yeah. this is just blatant um, uh, revisionist history, I guess. When when WWE wants to make fun of WCW for Dungeon of Doom and all and you know all the Ultimate Warrior stuff. Well, here you go. You guys are r- basically ripping it off and doing even mm-hmm. worse stuff right here, mm-hmm. man. Um, <laughs> I'd love to ask Josh Matthews about some of this stuff, but uh, I can't because he has me blocked on Twitter, so <laughs> I can't right. talk about that. I think I think I talked about that on our Lost episode. Oh but, uh, <laughs> no, that wasn't our Lost episode. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> that's right. I am I was, literally. I asked you, I asked you if you remember when he said he was the greatest announcer of all time. Like, he yeah. legit said that. Yeah, and you said, no, you didn't know that because he blocked you. <laughs> <laughs> I am blocked by Josh Matthews on Twitter. Uh, it was, man, early days of Twitter, like 2011 or 12 when I was first on there. You know, they used to have that Are You Serious YouTube show that I, him and Road yeah. Dog used to host where they talked about, like, botches and stuff, uh, which I watched all the time. They had Puppet H, Triple H puppet on there. Mm-hmm. I've never missed an episode, man. But I tweeted at Josh Matthews. I said something like, you guys should show the clip of your nosebleed on ECW. Which, <laughs> <laughs> you remember that? He's doing commentary oh, on yeah. ECW. And he's just, <laughs> it looks like the opening of the show. And he's talking and his nose just starts bleeding next to Matt Stryker. And he just has to like put his head down. <laughs> remember watching that live in my part <laughs> it was insane <laughs> we rewrote it like 20 times so it oh, cracked yeah. me up i don't know if it's oh, on the yeah. network they probably have edited that out but uh you could probably find it on youtube if not if nowhere else man but he didn't think that was as funny as i did and he, he blocked me on twitter eight Eternally. years ago yeah <laughs> I, was, I wasn't making fun of him man it's just like a funny moment Man, uh, so don't sully the good name of Josh Matthews. Nah, he won't be coming on our show, uh, but that just confirms that he's a good. massive tool, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, uh, let's try to wrap this up and get to the big Hell in a Cell match. We got one more week of SmackDown, and uh, I'll try. Dang, to, uh, there. Yeah, I'll try to blow through it here, but but there's a lot of talking on here. As Randy Orton, 
he, he is going to go see a sports psychologist, uh, the number one in the world that Cowboy Bob has got lined up for him here to try to get his head right for Hell in a Cell on Sunday, which is a great gesture from his father. You know, he's concerned about sure. him here. Uh, and he's going to go right up there with uh, the priest that Vince McMahon saw before <laughs> Buried Alive, <laughs> whatever that guy's name was, Father Frank, I think, something like that. <laughs> Yeah, be not quite on that same level, but it's right up there. Uh, yeah, this, is, this person knows her on TV. I think. Yeah, he's <laughs> slightly he's better like... actor here. Yeah. Um, and basically, I won't recap. It's really not that interesting. But no. the doctor tells Randy, you know, there comes a time in every man's life that you you need to reevaluate. Uh, and Randy has two roads in front of him, and he must make a decision with no less gravity than life or death, and he needs to make it now. So Randy tells Cowboy Bob that that therapist really made him think and he's gonna he's made a big decision and he's gonna go announce it to the crowd later tonight and tells his dad that he loves him. And so uh, Teddy Long goes in and talks to the doctor after that and he's like, Well what did you talk to Randy about here tonight? And the doc says, All that's confidential and Teddy's <laughs> like, Well, pff, I don't care about his health. I got a big pay per view main event on Sunday <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And uh, the doctor is offended by this and Tells Teddy Long, a good day, sir. Mr. Long, I'm a sports psychologist. I'm not interested in your pay-per-view or your Hell in a Cell match. I'm interested in a man's life. And frankly, I think your Hell in a Cell match is barbaric. Good day, Mr. Long. <laughs> this is my favorite part. My favorite part. This whole build-up. This sports psychologist saying, a good day. <laughs> Just walking out. <laughs> It's like Perfect, a, it's it really is. <laughs> Good day. Good day, no sir. No one says that <laughs> in real life. Oh. Well, uh, Randy, you could tell something's up with him because he goes into Batista and Rey Mysterio's locker room and they're ready to fight him, but he just wants to talk to him and you know, shakes their hands, says Randy, Randy tells Batista, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm sad we never got to go out in the ring and find out who's really the best. You know, people think you're the best. I think I'm the best, but I guess people will never know. And uh, blah, 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 blah. Randy comes out to close the show, and he's got this very somber look on his face, and the crowd's chanting, take her, take her. And Randy's like, I got something serious to say. This isn't going to be easy tonight. And he lists off all his accomplishments like he likes to do. Talks about being the certified legend killer. Uh, and says, that's not really true, though, because no one can kill the legend of The Undertaker. And he's tried to get around it for months, but he's seen all the footage throughout the years. And every time Undertaker steps in the hell in a cell, he brutalizes people. And Randy says he's not going to do that to himself. Uh, he said when he was talking to the psychiatrist, he had a vision of being in a wheelchair, holding his grandkids, telling them about hell in a cell. And he doesn't want that. He's still young. He's only 25 years old. He's got his whole life ahead of him. And he wants to go out on top. So he says the final legend he's going to kill is going to be himself. And he's going to retire tonight. <laughs> Which is, wow. I mean, what a heel, man. What a baby. <laughs> like, it's yeah. pretty great. Uh, as Teddy, I like that. He's like, yeah, I got one more legend to kill. That's my own. Yeah. I was like, I thought it was pretty cool, man. I liked it. <laughs> he's going to try to get out of it here one last time. Yeah. As Teddy Long comes out, and he ain't having none of that play. He nope. says, I got news for you. You got a contract, and that means a commitment to me and to SmackDown. And all these people here tonight, 
Because if you don't and you, if you don't show up at Armageddon, I will sue you for breach of contract and take you for everything you got. And Orton's like, that's fine. I'd rather go to court with you than be in hell in a cell with an Undertaker. So he quits, he retires, and he tries to run away. But naturally, the bell tolls, the lights dim, the smoke rises, the druids appear, and Randy gets backed up into the ring, and he starts begging and pleading that he doesn't want to fight uh, as the Undertaker makes his way down to the ring. And, dude, he undresses, takes the hat (laughs) off, takes the jacket off. It's business time as he gets in the ring. And Meanwhile, though, all the druids go to the back except for one. One uh, dummy druid stays back, and Undertaker is kind of like glancing back at him, like, what are you doing, bro? <laughs> you missed your cue. Yeah, missed your cue. Uh, and as Undertaker is about to lay a beating on Randy Orton, that druid looks up at him and lifts up the Undertaker's urn, which we haven't mm. seen since the Dudley Boys and Paul Heyman stole it, and <laughs> Paul Bear got buried in the crypt. So... We find out as this man takes the cloak off that it's Cowboy Bob, the master of disguise himself. Yeah. <laughs> he distracts. This is the second time he's disguised himself. <laughs> he distracts Undertaker and allows Randy to attack him. And Randy shows he means business. He strips off his dress shirt and starts unloading on Taker, hits an RKO on him, starts celebrating, but Undertaker actually sits up. And then Randy goes over and grabs a chair and busts Undertaker wide open Mm. with it for another ding on the blood tracker there. He just wraps the chair on Undertaker's skull, dude, just busting him Mm. even harder with it. And then takes a page out of, like, Brock Lesnar's book and wipes Undertaker's blood across his Mm -hmm. chest here. Uh, But Undertaker keeps sitting up, man. He keeps trying to fight, but Randy Orton will not have any of it. He grabs the urn from Cowboy Bob and hits Taker with it, and Undertaker just bleeds out here. He can't rise to his feet anymore, kind of just collapses and falls over. As Randy Orton, after weeks and weeks here, finally gets one over on Undertaker and tells him he'll see him at Armageddon on Sunday. So, you know, you light somebody on fire, you drive them through a 4th of July fireworks display... (laughs) None of that works, but the old trusty folding chair and urn to the head. Exactly. That's what lays the guy out get, here at the end. Got to get back to basics. <laughs> That's his kryptonite. It's a steel yeah. chair. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it was um, it is a neat little wrinkle in the story there with him, you know, kind of pulling the wool over the crowd's eyes or whatever and not really retiring and having this whole thing set up you know, to, to defeat Taker here, but um, yeah, it is weird how you're supposed to get bigger and bigger, uh, and then he just goes back to a folding chair. It's like, all right, I think you've already passed that by attempted murder. So, and dude, you know, it was a good segment, but like this episode's already pretty long for us talking yeah. about all this stuff, and it's not not covering that much time on here. These guys got so much TV time during mm-hmm. this feud, and it just shows you how weak SmackDown's roster was, in my opinion. These guys are having to mm-hmm. carry these shows with segments. Like we said, we got the Dicks. We have Simon Dean and the Boogeyman and like Tatanka and Kid Cash and it's uh you know yeah, it's it's weak sauce. Well this is the selling point of the whole pay per view. There's not even a world title match on it, I don't believe, because I think that Batista and Ray won the tag titles and 
earlier in SmackDown, this episode of SmackDown. And so I think they have a match against Kane and Big Sean Kane. Big Show. Or, yeah, it's an interpromotional match. Got to keep the brand separated, you know? So they can't even sell out their own show nope. with SmackDown Superstars. I got to bring Raw Superstars over. So anyway, that brings us to Armageddon. So the main event here, December 18th, 05, from the Dunkin' Donut Center in Providence, Rhode Island. Neither road nor island. But uh, add this to the pile of never have I ever seen this pay-per-view for me. How about you? No, I I think I've seen this match. I can't remember where. Maybe on an Undertaker DVD or something like that. But the match, I'm pretty sure I had seen before. Pay-per-view, uh, that's a no-go. And I, and I did not watch any uh, anything else on it before Not this. me neither. No thanks. Well, you don't have to because according to WWE, the opening video, it literally only highlights the Taker and Orton feud. That's yeah. it. One match show. <laughs> Nothing else. Not even another wrestler from the roster is shown on the video. It's just it's just ridiculous. So, But throughout the show, we get these Hell in a Cell last rights clips like we've seen on SmackDown. We're just showing clips of the Hell in a Cell matches Taker's had and the destruction he's caused and stuff. And um, Strangely enough, none of them ended in a ref stoppage. Oh. <laughs> just saying. I mean, that you could never do something like that because no. it's Hell in a Cell. Yeah. It's the most brutal thing. And <laughs> You just go to a finish, of course. Uh, Couldn't yeah. possibly have two years in a row of Hell in a Cell without a real finish in the match. That would that would kill the whole gimmick. It wouldn't make any sense. No, absurd. Uh, it would be the end is here for the gimmick. And this is the end is here for about the 27th time uh, on this pay-per-view. <laughs> yeah. The end has been here as the theme song uh, year after year after year. But they, I know. they've never had a song they made for pay-per-view that they got more use out of than that mm-hmm. one. <laughs> I love it. I wish they'd bring it back. Yeah. It's been yeah. a long time. So. Yeah. Bring it on back. Well, future Mrs. Uh, Bobby Lashley, not Lana, but Crystal Marshall is going to interview Randy <laughs> about his approach tonight to this to this match. And Bob is holding the urn, and Randy says that he's proved that he's better uh, at mind games than Undertaker is, and he proved that Taker isn't invincible, and he's going to retire him tonight. So he says, tonight your fate and your power are in my hands as he grabs the urn. So neat little visual there. I like that. You know, I like when they bring the urn into it. So we appreciate that old school feel of that. Yeah, it was just kind of random. Like, where did he get oh, it yeah. from? Yep. <laughs> Why no did idea. they bring the urn back just for this two weeks? But there it is. It's there. And, yeah, that's going to bring us pretty much to the match, to the main event here. Of course, Taz and Cole are on commentary here. And I'm sure we'll talk about it, but you know, they feel like they did a lot better job on this match than they'd done in recent weeks. They, they really hype up the mm-hmm. intensity, and they're really putting over – Hell in a Cell as as selling it as a big deal and how career ending it is and how brutal it is and how it is uh, the devil's playground and how it Mm. is the devil's playground and how this is the devil's playground and how the devil's playground, devil's playground, devil's playground, as Michael (laughs) Cole says at every opportunity that Mm -hmm. he has. And there it is, the devil's playground. And tonight's scores will be settled inside Hell in a Cell. The Devil's Playground. The Hell in the Cell is without a doubt the Undertaker's playground. The Devil's Playground. Oh man. Yeah, he does. It's out of control. He's just feeding, getting fed lines from Vince, but they just shove them down your throat. So, it's crazy. I wish there was some ref stoppage on that commentary. Yeah. Well, in a change of pace here, Randy's going to enter first 
with Bob Carrion. We, we've mentioned the last couple times that Randy comes out second, uh, which is weird, but uh, Undertaker doesn't have a special entrance like he floats to the ring like he did uh, beforehand or anything. But Randy comes out first with Bob carrying the urn behind him, and they put over how this is Randy's first Hell in a Cell. And um, just I just wrote my notes here that I don't I don't think it ever it occurred to me, and I think I mentioned this on our last episode uh, that just how big of a year this 05 was for him. I just I think of 05 as Batista's ascension, Cena's ascension to the top, but. I just he's right there underneath him, man. He doesn't have the he had the world title before both of them, you know, the year before, but it got cut short. He only had it for a month, and then old Triple H, uh, you know, buried him, buried him, buried him. But anyway, he's come out, but like he's he's really right underneath it. And like we mentioned here as well, world title matches or Undertaker matches, they're all equivalent basically, you know. So he's, in my opinion, he's on par with Cena and Batista as far as like getting the spotlight shown on him. He's just on a different episode or different show than Absolutely. Cena, you know. So this, I just thought it was really cool. This feud did a huge job in, in putting him over and getting out yeah. to that level as well here. And you know, Undertaker does not float to the ring, but as we mentioned here before, with these with these really cool pay per view sets during this time, it just makes his entrance look all the yeah. cooler uh, with smoke and flames coming out of this big scaffold, massive set that they have for the pay per view. There's this awesome shot; they frame it perfectly with Undertaker kind of standing at the door to the cell with the lights and the flames behind him, yes. with his shadow coming through the grates of the cell, and it's. Oh man, it, it's so good, so good. I loved that production there when they just caught that. It was so cool, man. So artistic. I, I just love that. I don't know. And even better, another great touch from Undertaker that the announcers note: he comes into the into the cage, into the cell, and Undertaker slams the door shut behind yes. him. Like this is his home. This is his playground. He's in control of this, and Randy Orton is about to get it. He's not scared <laughs> yeah. of being in the cell. He's in full control of things, which was I love it. I uh, me too, man. It, it it made it seem real. This is the seventh time in Hell in the Cell, mm-hmm. according to Michael Cole. So, um, yeah, just seeing him slam that that visual, he's like, it's game time, it's yep. go time, you know, because he does take forever to get to the ring, like he does. But when he slams that door, it's like, oh, it's on, man. So, and he's still rocking uh, that uh that that full beard too, yeah, which I appreciate. It great, man. it's a good look, I w- dude. I know, I love it, man. This is a great short lived, but it looks good. Yeah, I liked it a lot. So the bell rings, and they uh, start moving real quickly in the ring. Again, lots of movement, like we mentioned in their matches. And Taker's got his hands up, ready to punch. But Orton's evading him pretty quickly for the first few minutes. And Cole says that, you know, Taker won at WrestleMania, and Orton won at the SummerSlam. And tonight, this is going to settle it. But he forgets that. We saw Taker pin him clean on SmackDown a couple months ago. And no mercy. Orton won no mercy, mercy. yeah. (laughs) So... Oh, I guess that wasn't clean. I don't know. It was clean. I guess, I guess they didn't so. really know what the they didn't know the rules were. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. Well, they're gonna trade some quick pinfalls here. Kind of try to establish position here. Randy gets a drop kick and a quick pin. Uh, hits a back body drop, but Taker quickly gets up. He hits a big boot. Tosses Randy over the top rope to the floor. Uh, Taker throws some hands and hits a headbutt on the outside and tries to ram Randy into the cell, but Randy slips back out, uh, and they get back in the ring as uh, Taker is just kind of picking Randy apart with punches, and Michael Cole notes, again, that this is all legal, because this match can only end in pinfall and submission in Hell in a Cell. 
Because, oh, wow. as you mentioned, of course, <laughs> that will be the only way for a match to end in Hell in a Cell. It's pinfall <laughs> or submission. Uh, you think so? Back in the, 2005, it was. So, the, the wrestling business evolves, I guess. And this <laughs> <Wow>. rules. <laughs> That's what that's what they would say. You yeah. know, if you ask Vince, like, oh, it's his evolution, baby. So, <laughs> anyway, Taker starts choking Randy with his shin bone, which I love that. Nobody utilizes the shin bone mm. enough. Like, Not Taker's... enough shin based off it. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, there's some kind of Nakamura joke in there, but anyway, he pulls Orton side first into the ring post multiple times, really working on his ribs and stuff, and uh, he winds up. Um, Booting Orton, who's laying on the apron, and then Orton winds up slithering away like the snake that he is, Cole says, which is, again, foreshadowing for the Viper character he's going to eventually right. become. So I like that. I didn't see the seeds so far back then. Uh, well, you didn't know what, what was going to become of that. But Taker then is going to grab a chair, the great equalizer that he you know, ate on Friday SmackDown. And he grabs one and gives a wonderful receipt to Randy Orton here. <laughs> and this introduces the uh, – three uh, strongest letters in the WWE and that's not RKO that is CTE puts him <laughs> right in Orton's skull man it is oh it made me hurt watching it and busts him open too so that's blood yep. number three for our show <laughs> on this episode here uh, Taker gives him another giant chair shot uh, just to reinforce that just, Randy's just gushing here as Randy uh, look, as Taker rams the chair into him and does the old cheese grater spot with the cage? <laughs> yes. Rakes his face across there, and Cowboy Bob is on the outside of the cell, but he's trying to help his boy. But Undertaker scares him away from the cage, uh, and then Randy, I guess you know, John Cena left something underneath the ring for him a few <laughs> years ago. He finds <laughs> Cena's chain that he used to wear around his neck under the ring, and grabs it while Undertaker's not looking. But he drops it after Undertaker slams him into the stairs. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think he's a big fan of bringing stuff from Undertaker's past. Oh, so he's got the urn, he's got the chain. That makes sense. You know, who knows sure. what he'll bring next? So, <laughs> I'm kidding. I buy that. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, well, Taker's gonna lawn dart him into headfirst into the side of the cell, which is always a cool sight to see. Again, the first time we saw that was the first Hell in the Cell with Shawn Michaels, so right. it's just been a staple of those matches ever since, and then Randy sees his own blood on his hands and gets real bug-eyed and starts freaking out, and Taker grabs those stairs, and Randy fires up punches and goes after him and hits Taker with the stairs, but then Taker boots him into him, and Taker's face-to-face with Bob, who's kind of doing playing the Paul Heyman role on the outside like he did with the, <laughs> with the Brock Lesnar match, and Taker uh, winds up uh, getting face-to-face with him and just kind of look at him and taunting him and just basically saying, you know, without saying it, like, look what I'm doing to your son, you know, like watching as I brutalize him. And Taker gets on the apron and Randy nails him with an RKO over the top rope or a stunner kind of is what it looks like. And Taker's going to fall to the floor from that. So, Yeah, it's a nice little spot. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of innovative there. Cool. See something different in the cell. And that's going to allow Orton to take over here. Uh, he lays in some shots on the Undertaker, and he grabs the steps, and this time he connects with a shot to the Undertaker. So now Undertaker is busted open. So that'll be blood number four here for uh, our episode. And Orton returns the favor and grates Undertaker's forehead across the cell, the old cheese grater spot, and starts choking Undertaker with that John Cena's chain on the outside. Nails Undertaker with a chair to the forehead again, and he's going to get a two count off of that, Randy Orton does. 
So Taker rolls out to the floor to get a little breather as the crowd's getting into it. They're chanting Randy sucks. And Randy comes outside and Undertaker just starts headbutting him to try to push him <laughs> away. Sends Randy into the cell. And then Undertaker goes wild and crazy. We get Lucha Taker here. He comes flying, running across the, the, the mat, hops off the stairs with a giant splash onto Randy into the cage. Poetry in motion, baby. I <laughs> love it. He hits it off there. It's great, man. Yeah, back in the ring, Taker hits a scoop slam and then goes to the top rope. And he's actually holding on to the cell. like He can reach the top of it, which it dawned on me watching this year's 2019's version of Hell in a Cell just how much taller the cell is nowadays oh, yeah. and how just bigger the structure is. And I thought it was big back then in you know, 97, 98, 05, but it's just gargantuan now. You can't do that make now, you, could you? No, you can't. I mean, go-go gadget arms. You'd have to be like <laughs> to be stacked up on top of each other or something. Maybe put Tyson Fury on top of Cain Velasquez on top of Brock Lesnar on top of Braun Strowman. <laughs> you can reach it. But yeah, he grabs the top. Um, like he's going to do something, um, you know, crazy Jeff Hardy move or something. He kind of walks the top rope as he's holding on and then jumps off uh, with the elbow drop. And Orton moves a little early, but um, and so he misses it. He does. He misses that, um, which I guess <laughs> he should know better. It's not one of his signature moves. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, he got, Undertaker loves being in Hell in a Cell, man. As much as Michael Cole loves SmackDown, Undertaker loves being <laughs> in Hell in a Cell. He's got to try new stuff here. Uh, Randy Orton sees an opportunity. He goes and grabs a table under the ring and slides it inside. Uh, but Undertaker's able to roll out. Cowboy Bob seizes the opportunity and grabs Undertaker's hair through the cell. Grabs mm. a hold of Undertaker to try to distract him. Taker fights back against Randy and Cowboy Bob, though. And he turns around, and much like he did with Paul Heyman, as you mentioned, back in 2002 at uh, Unforgiven, or no, No Mercy, No Mercy, no mercy Hell yeah. in a Cell, he grabs Cowboy Bob's shirt and just starts ramming him into the cell. And that is going to bust Cowboy Bob open for our fifth blood sighting <laughs> in this buildup. And i got to give kudos to Cowboy Bob here because he was smart enough to wear a white shirt on this night. Yes. And that's a classic old school wrestling move to accentuate the blood. But uh, I gotta take all of those points away and more for Cowboy Bob, because as we would learn later on from this night, and as the Undertaker would learn later on, and not on this night, Cowboy Bob probably should not have been bleeding inside a wrestling ring because. But well, was that? Uh, he tested positive for hepatitis C, and. Yeah. <laughs> did not tell the other performers in the match that he had hepatitis C and all oh, three of those man. men had open wounds and <laughs> Golly, I don't know, man. Dude. you've worked more in the medical field than I have. So <laughs> is that a problem? Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> not something you want to go near. Yeah. Anytime you share blood to any orifice, it's never good. Yeah. Don't, don't, uh, uh, ugh. yeah. Hep C man. In fact, a guy I worked, kind of acquaintance i work with uh had that recently and was down for about three months so yeah, yeah and we're not it's not a judgment against anyone no, who has by it no means. it's just saying got it at work is had it you got it yeah maybe don't bleed all over your fellow performers without informing yes. them that you're carrying a disease at yeah the same time. exactly 
Allegedly, rumor has it that this is why Cowboy Bob gets released pretty shortly after this because The Undertaker got pissed and raised hell over it. You know, I don't know if those are rumors or truth to it, but that's that's the story online. Yeah, that's just you just you got to tell people, you know, <laughs> if you're carrying that, you maybe don't tell bleed. people. Maybe don't. Bleed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got to have some more common sense than that. But I don't know. Anyway, it was. Yeah, how unfortunate that could have been, you know. But um, I didn't see Bob Blade um, to do. Uh, he did a good job masking his blade job. So it made it looked hard, it looked hard way. But um, you know, it wasn't because he had a white shirt on. So exactly. He knew he was blading. Yep. So. Well, Taker's going to run as Randy. Uh, excuse me. Taker's going to run at Randy and catch, Randy's going to catch him with that power slam. He's going to hit him into the side of the cell though, which is a pretty cool little twist on his moves there. So I like that. And he goes for a pin on the outside. And gets a two count, which is something that has bothered me from the impetus of Hell in a Cell matches. Yep. The is just the rules change, and we make fun of the one from 2019, but the rules changed back then too. Sometimes you could have false count anywhere. Sometimes you couldn't. Sometimes you could pin people on top of the cell. Sometimes no, the pinfalls got to take place in the ring. Like I'm pretty sure the first one, the pinfalls had to take place in the ring. It wasn't a false count anywhere match because oh yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just that's always bothered me about Hell in the Cell, just how fluid the rules are. And again, I wrote my notes before the actual Hell in the Cell from this year, and uh, it's even got more ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> it's very frustrating, uh, you know, to wrestling fans when you try to take stuff seriously and you take it more seriously than they do. So yeah, that's annoying. But uh, you know, it is what it is. You can't do anything about it here. So Undertaker will capitalize. He starts flying here. Old school. PTO for a two count. Snake eyes. Big boot. Leg drop. All his moves of doom here. Goozles Randy for a choke slam. Gets another two count. Undertaker's rolling. Hits a big splash. And then, you know, the other kryptonite Undertaker has. He goes for another splash or a running big boot in the corner. And the guy moves out of the way. And Undertaker mm-hmm. crotches himself on the top rope. We've seen it in, like, the past ten matches. <laughs> it's going to keep mm-hmm. happening to him. Uh, as Undertaker, he uh, is hurt, so Randy grabs the chain and hits a Death Valley blow with the John Cena chain and then lays Undertaker out on a table to really try to finish Undertaker off. Yeah, and then Orton's going to do something that you don't, you still didn't see often back then. You know, we've nah. mentioned now he's come off the top rope with the cross body and stuff like that, but he actually goes up top and hits a... Huge frog splash yeah. on Taker through the table, so it was nasty, man. It it it. You can tell he doesn't do it often because it what didn't look pretty, but I I liked it because sometimes out all I don't. Stops. Yeah, I don't like when stuff looks too choreographed sometimes. So um, it was it was ugly, and I liked it, man. And he's in control now, and going for that ten punch attempt in the corner, and of course, if you do ten punches, post two thousand one on the Undertaker, post two thousand, you're gonna get a last ride out of the uh, corner, yeah. so. People don't do He's their gonna, homework. No. Well, he attempts it, but then Orton slips out, and then Taker's actually wound up punching uh, the referee, which I think was Nick Patrick in this match, wasn't it? At this point, yes. Yeah, at this point, it's Nick Patrick. So, um, yeah, it winds up punching the referee on like kind of accident, I guess. So. And Nick Patrick gets in on the fun. He's busted open now at this point. So that's <laughs> six dings on the blood tracker here. Blood uh. everywhere. As... Orton tries to, uh, well, he turns a choke slam into an RKO with a reversal, but there's no ref because Nick Patrick's hurt. He's dead. Uh, so there's no ref for the pin. 
And the door to the cell is opened up uh, as Jimmy Corderas and Charles Robinson run down to check on Nick Patrick. And that's going to bring Cowboy Bob into the cell as well. We got to, you know, because if there's hell in the cell and you got to keep everybody out, you're inevitably going to have a point where somebody comes in. <laughs> that's the rule. Well, that started on the first one too, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. that one made sense. That one did make sense. and They tried to make this one make sense, but it's just yeah, it's so played out at this point. Like, you know, someone's yeah. getting into the cell or getting out of it at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, then old Chuck Robinson himself, the uh, master of the horror films, he loves horrors and stuff, so he's going to love the Hell in the Cell. So he comes in here, and now he's somehow the ref, and Randy covers for two, and Taker sits up and they trade punches and Taker hits the last ride and actually hits it and the ref counts two as Bob pulls him out and then just punches Charles Robinson. (laughs) (laughs) Love it, you know. No rules, just right, man. So Taker goes out and just beats up Cowboy Bob for interfering and also giving him hep C or exposing him (laughs) to hep C. And Taker's going to hit throat slash and attempts to tombstone Randy Orton, but Randy's going to flip out of it. You know, he's done that a couple times now. He's done his homework. And if you wrestle somebody for essentially eight months, I appreciate when they do stuff like that. When they, Absolutely. you know, it, it makes it seem real like you've done your homework. You've been in the ring. You know how to counter stuff. So I do like that. Um, that was pretty good. And he nails the tombstone on Undertaker. Dana kills him with mm-hmm. it. Man, it is ugly, but uh, he does hit it. And Taz is flabbergasted at this. He said, I've never seen anyone do that, Michael Cole. As if we haven't seen 30 other people reverse a tombstone. I think Goldust was the first one we yeah. saw do it back in the day. It, it's happened, I mean, buddy. It's happened. Kane <laughs> did it in the first sound of the yes. A lot of people have done it. <laughs> but uh, there's still no rep for the cover because the physicians are trying taking out Nick Patrick. Charles Robinson's out cold, but... Jimmy Corderas runs in to try to save the day and uh, gets a two count uh, for Randy. But Undertaker kicks out. He sits up. Randy punches him down, but Taker sits up again. Randy punches him down again. And Undertaker struggles to sit up this time. And Randy starts smiling, but Undertaker grabs his throat this time and starts choking him as we uh, roll towards the finish here. Oh, yeah. He's going to goozle Randy, and then Bob's going to run in here, and Taker's going to boot him. Uh, Randy's going to try an RKO, but Taker shoves him off, and he hits both Orton's with the urn then, and then he's going to wind up just hand out tombstones here. He hands one to Bob, and Bob eats a big tombstone, again, for exposing him to Hep C. And then Randy's going to get up from that urn shot and turn right around into a tombstone. And uh, that Taker's going to get that classic cover with his arms folded and flip his head back and think he's going to win this match at 30 minutes and 30 seconds. So long one, long episode here tonight, guys, because we had a long build and long match to cover. So it's a long one, man. It is long. You know, it didn't, you know, it went by pretty fast though. Yeah, It it, it had plenty of action in it. Um, You know, I just thought of something, you know, Orton's, the, the Orton's tried to kill Undertaker, by lighting the casket on fire, that didn't work. They tried to blow him up, that didn't work. They tried to chair in the urn. Maybe the long plan was to infect him with the hep C. That's really, that was the game. Oh, secret game plan here. Oh, no. <laughs> Under the radar. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Just kill him slowly. <laughs> That's the long con. Oh, <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> it was. It was terrible. That's terrible. Well, Undertaker, terrible. he's not deterred, man, because no. he 
he is so hyped up after this victory, dude. He grabs yeah. the urn and he tosses it to the top of the cell as he <laughs> walks up out of the cell celebrating. And he free solos his way up to the top and hits the Shakespeare pose holding the urn on top of the cell in just a really, really awesome visual. As uh, Michael Cole tells everybody, happy holidays after this match where four men bled all over the place. Happy holidays, everybody. Thank you for joining us for Armageddon. And good night. What better way to celebrate? Bring in the Yuletide. Happy holidays, ladies and gentlemen. That's how you want to go off this brutal it's match. a week until Christmas. <laughs> Dang it. Oh, man. Jim Ross would know. never do that. No, he would never have said, Happy holidays, by golly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Even if he did, it would sound awesome. It would have sounded cool, yeah. Michael Cole sounds like but, a dork. Um, yeah. Well, in my opinion, this wasn't the best Hell in a Cell that we've covered here. and It wasn't the worst either, though. Um I would definitely recommend this if you haven't seen it. Um, and I just, I, I thought it was the perfect way to cap off this saga that they've told over literally since February. Uh, it's been 10 months where the seeds were planted backstage with that Shawn Michaels promo uh, with the ladder behind him. That was where the seeds were planted for this. And here it is. Uh, and the babyface needs to win. It, it takes 10 months. And I loved it. I love the st- saga as a whole. I may not have. I think WrestleMania is still my favorite match, which is their first encounter just because it was fresh and new. But I do, thinking about this one, I like how you can see it, the stuff that they've learned from each other. And, you know, it's fake, but you know what I'm saying? The story they're telling is that they've learned things and counters. So I do like that. But as a whole, I definitely recommend this whole quintilogy, I guess, if you count the SmackDown match. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, aside from about that you? brief uh, Muhammad Hassan interlude and then uh, – that very forgettable match with Luther Reigns. This was pretty much Undertaker's 2006. I mean, 2005, Five, excuse yeah. me, with, was with Randy Orton. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's... I, I feel pretty similar to you, and I think we've said it on these other episodes with Randy Orton. I, I didn't love any of these matches, even the WrestleMania one, which is probably the best one. I, it was just okay for me. Um, and maybe, I don't know, I, I think I actually I would say this one was probably my favorite overall, just entertainment-wise. Yeah, I could, yeah. But, um, you know, take it as one long story. This yep. whole rivalry was very entertaining, um, aside mm-hmm. from that ridiculous episode of SmackDown that we covered. Uh, that's how I would recommend watching this feud. I would not go just watch one of these matches. The, the, I wouldn't recommend just going and pulling up one of them randomly. But I would recommend watching all four of them in a series. And you don't, you can just watch the pre-match hype videos. You don't need to watch every episode of SmackDown. No, yeah. But just watch this whole quadrilogy or quintilogy if you want to keep the SmackDown <laughs> match in there. Watch it play out. Watch the psychology as they learn each other's movesets and do these reversals and grow. You see Randy Orton really blossom as a performer, mm-hmm. man. And this established him as a main event player, like you said. It and, did. Um, you know, it went on for almost 10 months on and off, but in my opinion, it never really felt stale somehow. They kept adding interesting things and 
Uh, they didn't fight on every episode of Raw and SmackDown. They used other ways to build the feud up, which was great. They weren't in tag matches and six-man tags and nope. didn't wrestle five times on Raw before they wrestled on the pay-per-view, which really kept it fresh, and it's a lesson they can learn today. Dude, you stole all those words right out of my mouth. That's exactly what I was just about to say. Like It's just so refreshing to not watch them interact in the ring, you know, and in competition, like just to see stuff outside of the rings, even if it's hokey and cheesy, just to see it, you know, just, you can tell a story besides having matches. That's where the ultimate story gets told is in the ring. That's not where every little part of the story gets told. And that's just, that's all they do nowadays, you know? And, um, I, I still am optimistic about the, the wrestling business nowadays. I love the options we have. I love, I love good matches, love long matches, but I love the zaniness of the Attitude Era and the WCW, the NWO era, the crap that would happen outside the ring, the vignettes, this cheesy stuff. Aside from the possession of Josh Matthews, like the the production, the pyro, the lightning crash, and all that, I love all that, you know, because it just it's something different than just two guys wrestling every week, you know, like you said. So I love yeah. that. I'm glad you said the same thing. It's great. I think somebody had a tweet online uh that obviously online but <laughs> tweet on twitter oh. that, uh, not in print but no, okay. it said something like a little stationary uh, <laughs> i don't remember who it was but it was like wow bailey getting the victory over charlotte she's got a lot of momentum heading into next week's match between bailey and charlotte it's just exactly. like that's how everything exactly. feels man <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and it's nice to not have that here in 2005 but that's going to do it for 2005 as we throw the dirt on yet another year in the career of The Undertaker. We have barreled through 15 of them at this point. And as I mentioned in the intro last week, we are heading downhill, man. We're not rolling too fast, but we've, we've only got about 60 to 70 matches left, depending on his future. And uh, maybe some bonus shows we'll throw in there. But we're, we're past the halfway point, past the two-thirds point, really, of Undertaker's career. And past the halfway point in years wise as we finish up 15 years now and got a few more really active years and then it's gonna be uh we're gonna blow through these years real quick uh, mm-hmm. after that but uh, well after but, that we'll do just special episodes of just him riding on floats in saudi arabia oh, yeah. and stuff like we'll that. do an hour we'll on that bonus episodes but in all seriousness ladies and gentlemen Creature college of the Night. game day he, yeah, he was on a float at the Riyadh Festival or whatever in Saudi Arabia. He was the only WWF wrestler, WWE wrestler, there in person. I mean, and again, whatever you feel about the Saudi Arabia stuff, t- look at that. He, not Hulk Hogan, not Ric Flair, not Stone Cold Steve Austin, not the – it was the Undertaker that was there. You know, like, I don't know, man. That just – that says a lot to me. It sure I does. mean, yeah. It really does. He and Vince were over there. There's pictures of them backstage looking like two, a couple of dead men. <laughs> Yeesh. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I just think it screams his legacy to see that he's the only guy that was there, you know. And nobody from the current roster, nobody from the Attitude Era, nothing. No Triple H, no nothing. It was Taker. Yeah, they didn't use him for the first SmackDown show, but they use him in Saudi Arabia. That's where they knew him, I guess. Yeah. Uh, it'll be yeah. interesting to see. He's not announced for anything for this Saudi show, but he's been a part of all the other ones. And uh, be interesting to see if he pops up and does anything there. Uh, he's clearly over there. At, or <laughs> I guess he's hanging out there till the show. Who knows? I don't Who know. knows? Well, but we'll get yeah. to that many, many months from now. Uh, but until then, 
We're going to keep this time traveling hearse rolling, rolling, rolling onto the last ride next week into 2006 as we kick that off. Uh, Travis, are you a Mr. Kennedy fan? Yes, I was. Good. Mr. Kennedy fan. You're going to get a whole lot of them in 2006. Oh, dang. <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready for that. Oh, get ready for it. Weeks on end of Mr. Kennedy, but that's towards the end of the year. Before we get to that, we've also got a match with Kurt angle kicking mm. things off boy mm. one of the best of the undertaker's career one of the mm. best of all time we're gonna see how it holds up we've also got mark henry at wrestlemania we've got the Ugh. debut of the great kali mm. got the big show and our first ever punjabi prison match. <laughs> <laughs> yep that's the right reaction false. to that false guy anywhere yep what's Elevated enzymes match. Elevated <laughs> liver enzymes. We'll talk about that. Was all elevated that. liver enzymes pay per view. <laughs> it was. We'll talk about that. And uh, we've also got something you never thought you'd see. Buy, buy one, get one. Get a BOGO <laughs> on liver enzymes. No, better than Hep C, I guess. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, Sorry, you were saying. Got The Undertaker in ECW. Uh, you never oh, thought yeah. you'd hear about that, but we'll talk about that in 2006 and our very unique ECW memories that we have been looking forward to yes, sharing uh, that we got to experience in 2006. But it all kicks off next week with No Way Out 2006, Undertaker versus Kurt Angle. Go out of your way, folks. If you've never seen it or you haven't seen it in a while, go watch that match before next week. We always encourage you to do that with our podcast, but really, go watch it, folks. You're... In for a treat. You can thank us later. Go mm-hmm. watch it. Go watch it. Go watch it. Take 30 minutes. Make time to watch that match. It's awesome. Uh, and oh, we're yeah. looking forward to talking about it. Uh, and we're looking forward, as always, to hearing from you. Uh, we love hearing from you guys on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wherever you are out there. Hit us up with your memories of this match, this Hell in a Cell. Uh, hit us up with your memories of 2005, Eddie Guerrero memories, all that good stuff. At EvanJohn97, give us a little stat for this match. Uh, mm. We kind of mentioned it. This was Randy's first appearance in Hell in a Cell and Taker's seventh. And it would be five years before Randy would go inside Hell in a Cell again against Sheamus at Hell in a Cell 2010. Yeah. Yikes. I don't remember that one. I guess you could only go downhill from right? Taker in Hell in a Cell. <laughs> But uh, in between that and those five-year span, Undertaker would have three more cell matches that we'll talk about in 07, 08, and 09. So we'll get to those eventually as we're rolling through the years. Uh, You know, you can always listen to our previous episodes on any podcasting service, but especially on Stitcher. And if you go over there, you can go to stitcher.com slash premium and put in the code TALKINGTAKER and get... 30 days a month free of Stitcher Premium, ad-free listening, exclusive podcast over there. And also, of course, you can go pick up our shirts over at tpublic.com. Uh, we just missed a sale, but you can, I'm sure the, there's sales all the time over there. And, uh, yeah, literally every other weekend. <laughs> put a few dollars in our coffin and give us a little spending money so we can buy that new Undertaker Championship belt that Shop Zone <laughs> just put out. You know, if we sell... I don't know, if we sell like uh, 300 shirts, you know, we'll probably have enough. Uh, if we sell go. 300 shirts, I promise you we'll buy an Undertaker <laughs> title. You have my word. There you yes. go. 
<laughs> we'll bring the Undertaker's Divas Jeff Hardy title. It looks we'll great. do it. We will do it. We'll put it on. I'll do a. I'll do a uh, Shawn Michaels Playgirl pose with it. That's <laughs> <laughs> my <I> promise. <laughs> oh, we'll do the D. We'll do the Shawn Michaels and Diesel just like together. Okay. <laughs> just the belt on. Yeah, both of us. You got your Diesel gloves. Right. Yeah, dude. Just gloves Absolutely. and belt. All right. <laughs> just the, you gotta give the fans what they want. Is it just two belts or one belt? <laughs> you just wear the diesel cloud. Oh. Okay. I understand now. Yeah. You're standing behind me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fist straight up. Oh, God. We gotta end this thing. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Well, is that all the plugs? Oh, well, uh, I will say once again, thanks to the bottom line guys, to Mike yeah. and JV. Uh, if you didn't hear that episode last week, they joined us for a watch-along commentary, a fully loaded 1998 on the podcast feed with uh, Travis out of town. They may have to join me again. I don't know if Travis will join me again after the night, after that. But Oh, I'm uh, here for it. Uh, and go check out their podcast, uh, The Bottom Line Wrestling Cast Through the Career of Stone Cold. They're in the middle of 1999 covering some awesome stuff. I think they've got some Undertaker coming up on their feed as well as he wraps up that feud uh, during that time. And they've also got their ECW Extreme cast that they're going through the uh, every episode of ECW one by one. So go check that out as well. And um, Travis, I checked out that Goldberg 24 show on WWE yeah. Network or whatever it was, Chronicle. I don't, I don't know. I can't remember I what they're 20, all called. Yeah, I think it was Chronicle. Yeah. yeah. I second that recommendation. Some cool behind-the-scenes footage there. And uh, I was going to mention the Christian photo shoot episode on WWE Network. Uh, you'll get a great Undertaker story if you go watch that one as well. I won't spoil it for you fans because I recommend watching it. But you will hear... Uh, how the Undertaker is connected to the crazy sunglasses that Christian wore back in the Edge and Christian days uh, and why he is responsible for those. Uh, really funny story on there. and uh, The photo shoot show on WWE Network, always one of my favorites. Always, always good, yeah. 20 minutes, goes by real fast. Yeah, that's good stuff. I'm, I have not seen that yet, so I'm going to go watch that uh, as soon as we finish this or tomorrow morning. We'll see what happens. So... Anyway, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining us for the ride. Thanks for sticking with us through this Randy Orton saga of 2005. And we'll look forward to seeing you at 2006 uh, next week. So if you were there at the Dunkin' Donut Center in Providence, Rhode Island, um, let us know what you thought. We haven't heard a lot of people that have been there in recent years. It's been a while, actually. Um, so I think, uh, I don't know, a lot of the fans that were there during the Azure Day had kind of gone away, just like mm-hmm. the ratings would have shown during this time. So yeah, yeah. that may be what happened. So. But anyway, if you were there, let us know. Do they have free Dunkin' Donuts in the center? Who knows? I have no idea. Free coffee, free donut holes. Who knows? But anyway, let us know what you thought of this Hell in the Cell and all the blood. And did you contract MC from this night? Ooh! <laughs> anyway, a blood test, people. Ladies and gentlemen, other than that, a good day. I mean, uh, take her easy. <laughs> Uh, I killed him. I killed the Undertaker. He's what? done. I don't believe it, Tiny Tiny. Hey, I don't believe listen, Randy. it. Listen, Randy. He's hey, not here. I don't believe it. I killed the Undertaker. Okay. He's not you here. Not going no. to no. Hell. No. You got that? No. Hey, no, I don't Tiny. know why you're looking at me. Tiny. I'm not going with you. No. Okay? No. Just you. I deserve hell in a cell. No, this is going to happen at Armageddon, Blair. No. I deserve a world title shot. The Undertaker's dead. I need Batista. I deserve what? Batista. What do you want from me? Batista. Undertaker's dead. I don't want nothing from you, Tiny. I saw what happened to you.
drive. They're over here. And someone as bad as Yonder Jacob, I ain't messing with them, dog. Living or dead. So as far as I'm concerned, player, the match is on, Randy. Oh, <laughs> my